morning. Welcome to another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada. The reader asked me about taking communion or the Lord's Supper and the incident in 1 Corinthians where some of the Corinthians were taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner and became sick and died as a result. And she asked me to look into this, and this is the result. Now, if you're a believing, regular churchgoer, you more than likely take communion. This ordinance was established by Jesus, and it involves eating the bread and drinking the wine. Some churches use pieces of bread. Others use crackers or pre-made wafers for the occasion. Some use wine and others use juice. Some stay in their pews and are passed a large plate from which they pluck the elements. Others walk to the front and pick them up themselves. However you take communion, it is a meaningful and important ordinance. One of only two the Lord himself established for believers, the other being baptism. We read about communion in 1 Corinthians 11. It says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That was 1 Corinthians 11, 23-26. Now, taking communion as a believer means... We are worshiping and reflecting on the risen Savior, his love and his body, which was broken for us to pay for our sins. We remember his sacrifice and as a result, in gratitude, promote his name for the salvation of the lost. Sadly, the church at Corinth was taking communion in, quote, unworthy manner, unquote. And that's stated in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven. They were having suppers together, fellowship, in other places known as love feasts, which was okay. But as time went on, they were feasting longer and more profanely and getting drunk and favoring the wealthy over the poor. Probably because the wealthy brought better food. Though gratitude for his sacrifice should be our primary focus, as Christ's model of breaking the bread and then giving thanks, saying, do this in remembrance of me, shows us, some of the Corinthians were actually profaning the event by their behavior. Paul called them out on it, and he even mentioned that some had become sick or even died as a result. Now, from R.A. Torrey, we read 
that unworthy partakers of communion, quote, are guilty of the body and blood of Christ, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven. They discern not the Lord's body, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine, and they are visited with judgments, 1 Corinthians eleven thirty. Well, the Westminster Larger Catechism number one seventy one explains how to prepare for taking the Lord's Supper. Question one seventy one. Quote, how are they that receive the sacrament of the Lord's Supper to prepare themselves before they come onto it? Answer, they that receive the sacrament of the Lord's Supper are, before they come, to prepare themselves by examining themselves of being in Christ, of their sins, of the truth and measure of their knowledge, faith, and repentance love to God and the brethren, charity to all men, and forgiving those that have done them wrong, of their desires after Christ and of their new obedience, and by renewing the exercise of these graces by serious meditation and fervent prayer. The Westminster Larger Catechism on Communion. Now, it seems that though it's clear the Lord's Supper is a solemn and important event. Some partakers in the Corinthian church were taking it unworthily. There was a consequence to this sinful activity, illness for some, death for others. And it's clear from the passage that the illness and death were not a natural consequence, but a direct punishment from God. Paul wrote, for the one who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not properly recognize the body. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number are asleep. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine to 30. And asleep was a euphemism for dead. Now, is it true? Some who profaned the solemn occasion of the Lord's Supper were deliberately given illness or even killed by God? Were they actually believers? Would he really do that? Well, let's look at some other examples. It seems that Ananias and Sapphira were actual believers, and both were killed on the spot for profaning the house of God with their hypocritical lies. In another case, the Lord said that Paul was going to suffer for his name, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 and Acts 9, 16. And he gave Paul a demon to harass him, 2 Corinthians 12, 7. And Hebrews 12, 6 says that whom the Lord loves, he chastens. So yes, the Lord sometimes inflicts direct punishment upon people with whom he is displeased. Of course, he also allows events to take their, quote, natural, unquote, course, such as homosexuals who come down with AIDS or drunk drivers to be in a wreck. He does punish in love, but it is true that he punishes directly sometimes. Barnes' note says of the Corinthians taking communion in an unworthy manner, quote, 
The sense clearly is that God had sent among them bodily distempers as an expression of the divine displeasure and judgment for their improper mode of celebrating the Lord's Supper. That it was not uncommon in those times for God, in extraordinary manner, to punish people with calamity or sickness or death for their sins. It's evident from the New Testament. See 1 Corinthians 5, 5 note, Acts 5, 1 to 10, Acts 13, 11 notes, and 1 Timothy 1, 20 note. Does he do this frequently? Well, we don't know. Today, we don't know. Aside from the explicitly stated times in the Bible that we know were direct punishments, we don't know the mind of God, and we can't specifically assert this or that is due to the hand of God. Even Job inflicted more than any other person in the Bible, except for Jesus, never knew his pain was not due to sin. He never knew. So let's let Barnes explain whether this happens today or not, and the lesson we should take from it in today's times. Quote, God often visits his own people with trial, and though they are his children, this does not exempt them from affliction and discipline on account of their errors and sins. The practical lesson taught by this is that Christians should serve God with purity, that they should avoid sin in every form, and that commission of sin will expose them to the divine displeasure. The reason why this judgment was inflicted on the Corinthians was that there might be a suitable impression made of the holy nature of the ordinance and that Christians might be led to observe it in a proper manner. I'll stop the quote here and mention, too, that the incident with Ananias and Sapphira was also to make a deep impression upon the remaining believers, and it certainly did, that the Lord's church is not to be profaned and to be as holy as possible. So back to Barnes explaining to us whether this happens today. If it be asked whether God ever visits his people now with his displeasure for their improper manner of observing the ordinance, we may reply, one, that we have no reason to suppose that he does inflict bodily diseases and corporeal punishments on account of it. But, two, there is no reason to doubt that the improper observance of the Lord's Supper like improper observance of any other religious duty, will be followed with the expression of God's displeasure and with a spiritual blighting on the soul. This may be shown in the following way. In hardening the heart by an improper familiarity with the most sacred ordinances, or he could increase coldness and deadness in the service of God, or the loss of the favor of God or of those pure spiritual elevated joys we might have obtained if we had a proper observance of the ordinance. Barnes continues, there's no reason to doubt that God may make it the occasion of manifesting his displeasure. 
It may be followed by a lack of spiritual comfort and peace, by a loss of communion with God, by a withholding of those comforts from the soul. The general principle is that an improper discharge of any duty will expose us to his displeasure and to the certain loss of all those favors which might have resulted from a proper discharge of a duty. And this is true as true of prayer or any other religious duty as of an improper observance of the Lord's Supper. Hmm. So that's the end of Barnes. And essentially he said, maybe, <laughs> but not to scare the dear reader unduly. Now here is Matthew Henry to comfort and reassure us. Quote, but fearful believers should not be discouraged from attending at this holy ordinance. The Holy Spirit never caused this scripture to be written to deter serious Christians from their duty. Though the devil has often made use of it, the apostle was addressing Christians and warning them to beware of temporal judgments, which God chastised his offending servants. And in the midst of judgment, God remembers mercy. And he many times punishes those whom he loves. End quote of Matthew Henry. John Calvin also reminds us that we can take the Lord's Supper worthily. He, he said, quote, So the best and only worthiness which we can bring to God is to offer him our own vileness and unworthiness that his mercy might make us worthy. We despond in ourselves that we may be consoled by him. We humble ourselves so we may be elevated by him. And we accuse ourselves that we may be justified by him. We are also to aspire to the unity which he recommends in the supper. And as he makes us all one in himself, we are to desire to have one soul one heart, one tongue. That was John Calvin. So to finish up here, um, above all, the example of death or illness of the profaning Corinthians at the Lord's Supper remind us that we do have a loving Father as our Savior, but he is also holy the ancient of days, and properly to be feared. He is above all El Elyon, the Most High God. In the show notes, I'll have a few links if you want to explore this subject further. Got questions, taking the Lord's Supper unworthily. Ligonier, what is the Lord's Supper? And a uh, title of a short book by Keith Matheson, The Lord's Supper, Answers to Common Questions. And this has been another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a great day. Mm-hmm.